Support for a quick timeout podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. College and professional teams from around the country rely on Dr. Dish shooting machines to help improve their players' development. Whether it's in the gym or at home in your driveway, Dr. Dish will improve your basketball workouts. To find out more about how Dr. Dish can help your program, visit drdishbasketball.com. We're privileged to have on the podcast three-time college basketball national champion and former UCLA Bruin, Mr. Andrew Hill. Andy, thank you for joining us for this special series, Remembering Coach John Wooden. Tony, it's a pleasure to be here. And anytime I get a chance to talk with folks who have an interest in coach, it's uh, something I just love to do because I feel as if he's sort of disappearing from our consciousness a bit. And he was the best of us. And certainly now, as much as any time in our history, we need to understand Life is a team sport, and John Wooden really got that. And so anytime we can kind of bring Coach back into the conversation and realize that we've all got to be pulling on the same end of this rope, it's a good thing to do. Your path to UCLA looked like what? Well, uh, simply the the path of a kid who grew up uh, about a mile from the UCLA campus, was a baseball fan early in my life. And, you know, Tony, I've been very blessed. I mean, think about it. The Dodgers moved to L.A. when I was eight years old. We didn't have a baseball team. We didn't have a basketball team. Mm -hmm. L.A. was kind of a cow town. And then just as I was coming into my sports-crazed period of my life, the Lakers show up, the Dodgers show up, and all of a sudden this little team up in Westwood, Don Wooden's Bruins, started winning and winning. And in those days, Tony, you could go to the games for 50 cents at Santa Monica College and walk right in. And so my introduction to the game of basketball coincided with this kind of scrappy little team a mile from my house that went 30-0 and and won a national championship. So to say I fell and fell hard both for basketball and UCLA is an understatement. But, of course, when I first fell, the idea I'd ever – Playing at UCLA wasn't really part of it. I was just a fan. The idea of a little kid like me ever actually playing there seemed like a distant dream. The time that you spent there is pretty well documented, and I kind of want to go past that a little bit. It went went several years that you kind of you graduated and you were kind of just on with the rest of your life, and then you kind of got mm-hmm. reconnected with Coach. How did that come about? Well, I, I had actually it was more than a little bit of time. Tony, it was 25 years. And uh, I had really, I think, kind of in my own mind, gotten past UCLA. I was in the entertainment business and had a lot of shows on the network and was doing great. And then ran into a very unpleasant fellow by the name of Leslie Moonves, who's since been fired and discredited. But at the time, he was the most powerful guy in TV. Hmm. And uh, what a break that was. You know, and what a lesson that can be is that uh, so many times in life, the things that seem like the absolute worst things that could happen to you actually are the greatest things, depending upon how you react to them. And, uh, you know, getting fired was tragic in my mind. I had all these shows on, uh, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, Walker, Texas Ranger, Touch by an Angel, Days World, Carolina, the City, Rescue 911. And it was like leaving your kids. I knew that these kids, we're all going to get canceled before their time, and they all eventually were. But I, I then got 18 months of uh, paid vacation to kind of think, okay, what do I, what's the next step in my life? 
And one day I was out on the golf course playing with a guy, uh, and he told me to slow down and get my balance. Coach Wooden talked about balance constantly as a coach. I think more than any coach ever did or does even now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this idea of kind of slowing down, don't lose your hurry, was also a recurrent John Wooden theme. And, of course, the book I ended up writing with him was called Be Quick, but Don't Hurt, which he said probably 10 times a day. And I realized as I was out on the golf course and hit about as good a shot as I ever hit in my life that I really needed to call him and connect with him, that, that, that the success I'd had at CBS in terms of managing a creative process was really no different than coaching. It was taking talented people who were very self-centered in many cases, as talented people tend to be, and you can't win without talent, and then getting them to actually buy into the idea that their talent is best used towards the goal of winning as a group. And in a strange way, it's kind of like doing a TV show. You know, everybody's got, everybody thinks they're the center of the universe. And actually, what's in the center of the universe is the show, the scoreboard. And, you know, your job as the coach is kind of, you got to keep your focus on the big picture. And so I realized that I had a lot to thank Coach for. I had a phone number in my mind that was 25 years old. You're too young to remember this, Tony, but, you know, we didn't used to have area codes in front of our phone numbers, and his number didn't. But I called it anyhow. and. 818-343-2266, and he picked up the phone right after the phone message went off, and uh, it was the beginning of an amazing friendship. A lot of players, it looked like, just as an outside observer, had a relationship with Coach beyond their playing days, but it seemed like once you got reconnected, you, you mentioned the book already, like you guys had a special relationship. How did that grow, and maybe how did that did it like reignite things in your mind from your college days? I mean, was it was it just the same old Coach Wooden, or what oh. was that like? Oh my gosh, he's a totally different person. I mean, first of all, Tony, and this is an interesting insight into John Wooden, having gotten to know him as a dear friend. I mean, Coach's daughter Nan used to call me his son from another mother, which, if you know Coach, is just a joke. And what I found out when I reconnected with Coach. Remember, I did, I did situation comedy at CBS. I was around comics. I used to go to comedy nights. John Wooden was funny, flat out funny. And as a player, we had no idea. He did not. And, and think about it. Humor is a great way of getting close to people. But I think Coach realized that, you know, as the head coach, it wasn't his time to get close to these guys. He was going to have to discipline them and some of them he wasn't going to be able to give them what they wanted like me and so he let the assistants get close to the players and he kept the distance mm. and so when we re-engaged I mean I did know Tony at a certain level at a certain point in my life actually I'll tell you the truth it was when I was writing my book and I, I wrote a lot of my book this would sound funny playing golf in the morning uh, I would go out at 6 a.m. and my country club was across the freeway and there was one nine that was a real walk. It was a, you know, it was tough. And I would play by myself and put a notebook in my back pocket. And, you know, when you're walking a golf course, you're not quite out of breath and close. And so you've got a lot of blood pumping through you. And I was on the second hole of this nine. And I remember when it hit me right in the nose that when I went to UCLA, I was looking for a dad. 
I didn't have a good relationship with my own pop and, you know, kind of thought, wow, well, my coach, you know, he should, John wouldn't look at him. Wouldn't you like him to be your dad? And, you know, so I went looking for a dad and he was looking for a point guard. And man, we just, we just missed completely. And, you know, when we reconnected at a different point in our life, I think we were both looking for the same thing. We were looking for connection. We were looking for friendship. And, uh, you know, I think that in the same way that coach helped me and, and helped me heal and all the joy in that relationship, I, I think it was reciprocal. I think that I was really able to help coach understand that though he always told us he loved us, we needed to hear it from him. And uh, I'll tell you another story. It's actually a funny story. When I first wrote the book, any new author will tell you this. You're checking in on Amazon four times a day. You know, what, what, what number is it on Amazon? And, and the second day the book came out, Tony, and of course you'll understand this because you're a coach. I didn't really care what the critics thought. I didn't really care what some idiot in line at a book signing thought. But what my former teammates thought meant everything to me. I didn't want them to feel like I was dishonest. I wanted them to feel like I was truthful. They know who I was. And the second day the book came out, I click on Amazon, and there is a review from Lynn Shackelford. Now, Lynn Shackelford was a great UCLA player, maybe the greatest outside shooter ever played at UCLA, played with Kareem, three championships. And Lynn was three or four years older than me, so, you know, in those days, three years older is like another generation. And I read this review, and it was fantastic. It was perfect. I thought, wow, isn't this great? And five minutes later, the phone rings, and it's Lynn Shackelford. And we talked for about a half an hour. It was wonderful. And at the end of this conversation, he said to me, hey, Andy, do you think next time you have breakfast with Coach, I could come too? I thought, wait a minute. You are an All-American. What are you talking about? And yet, you know, he hadn't broken through that player-coach relationship. Mm. And so I said, hey, Shaq, absolutely. Mm. And, and, and I think I got coached to kind of understand that, yeah, you told them you loved them, but you got to tell them again. You got to tell them over and over again. And to John Wooden's credit, and I, I love this about Coach, he kept changing till the day he died, Tony. You know, his, his whole mantra, his whole pyramid was about this idea of you can continue to improve. And Coach and I, from, you know, very early point on, every time we spoke, the last thing we said to each other was, I love you. And, uh, you know, I do that with my family now. I do it with my dear friends because I realize, I don't know how many, you know, you can't say it enough. And I think it really opened up for Coach some relationships with guys who he had had a relationship but not a real closeness with and of course as you get older that's the greatest thing you can have is to have your old boys come back and feel that closeness because of course we all were so deeply impacted by him in every phase of our life i'm sure that you will get this from everyone else that you talk to but just about basketball it was about how we conduct ourselves and how we interface with people and you know coach who i spent many many years doing different events with and going out on the road with. He was always nice and courteous and thoughtful. There wasn't a public John Wooden and a private John Wooden. There was just John Wooden. And I think that we all, you know, really took that in and realized that we got a chance to be around somebody really special.
whether it was something in the book or something that you uh, observed from him in those latter days, whether things that you saw him do or heard him say, or like you said, you saw him live out that when you were a student athlete playing for him, maybe you didn't quite understand or it didn't make a lot of sense, but it became real once you were able to see him actually live it out or experience it with him? Well, Tony, when you're 18, 19, and 20 years old, when someone says to you, I don't like you all the same, but I'd like to think I love you all the same, I didn't get it. What does that even mean? Yeah. And I honestly think, I mean, you're a dad. I don't think you really get that until you're a parent. And, and you have more than one child, and you realize that that is a completely sincere statement. Mm-hmm. When I was 20, it didn't make any sense to me. I mean, if you, if you love me, how can you not like me? Well, so sometimes you love people, and you don't necessarily like them in the moment. Yeah. And, and certainly, I really got that from Coach. And like I say, I mean, for me, Tony, it was sort of a midlife fantasy. I, I mean, you know, I... I had desperately wanted Coach Wooden's approval, and I think that you will also find that from any of his former players. There was something about him, something about his his being and those kind of sparkling blue eyes. We all just wanted him to say, hey, good job. And, you know, when you ask, well, why was that so important? I don't know. Hmm. I can't really tell you. But you know as a coach that that's a real key to getting guys to break through those barriers that they need to break through, those barriers of selfishness, those barriers of I'm tired, those barriers of I can't do it. Because, of course, you know, as a coach, your job is to show your guys, no, no, actually, you got something left. You can do this. We've got something. We're going to come back. We're going to fight these guys to the end. And, of course, you know, what you realize is, that's life, too. That's not just basketball. And, and I know that when I moved into the entertainment business, even all the years that I really never gave it a thought, I mean, Tony, you'll find this hard to believe. Most people I worked with in the TV business never knew I played basketball at UCLA mm-hmm. because I never talked about it. It was something that I almost sort of buried. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, of course, I now realize, holy smoke, as you said in your intro, I won three NCAA championships. Mm-hmm. And here's something else I learned as an executive. Every person in your organization plays a role in how your team does. Mm -hmm. And so I now realize, wow. I mean, I do have a big personality. I know that. And I could have messed up a lot of stuff. But we went 87-3. and And I talked to Bill Walton every day. Still do. So, you know, I mean, it worked out beyond belief great for me. But I think that the truth of it is that probably worked out beyond belief great for everyone who got a chance to spend that much time around Coach Wooden. Because when you're in your 20s and late teens, I mean, you know this, Tony, you coach, you spend more time with these players than their parents do. And I think it's something that a lot of coaches don't really understand is that that your impact goes far beyond the basketball court. And, 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 of course, the coaches who not only realize that but embrace it who feel like that's part of why they're there are the ones who can truly make a difference. And by the way, I am really happy to say that the coach today at UCLA, Nick Cronin, is one of those guys. He, he really gets it. And uh, I think the uh, UCLA tradition will be back and back big uh, as Nick gets a chance to build his program. 
I want to circle back and talk about the book, maybe just a quick how that came to be, but then just so that people don't think it's just a basketball book, how we've talked already at length about how these things that you learn from the, from sports or from a coach translate into other areas of life and how you've talked about it influencing entertainment, what you did long beyond that. So kind of just talk about the book and then maybe the things that basketball taught or allowed you to write about in that book. You know, I'll tell you what happened. You know, this realization that far from ignoring John Wooden, that in fact, everything I did in business had been influenced by the way that he organized planned, motivated, and taught, uh, first of all, was sort of a, a daunting recognition. I, this was not, oh, good, I've stolen everything I know from John Wooden. It was sort of like, wow, I thought I didn't even like this guy, and I stole all this stuff from him. And, and yet, at a certain point, I realized I was in possession of a great gift that he had given me, which was a, a, a gift of how to lead because he had done something truly that was beyond incredible. You know, lots of people win a championship. Some people win a couple. Nobody wins 10 times in 12 years, recycling and reloading year after year. It just has never happened in any sport, anywhere, anytime. And of course, that is the paradigm that you have to build in business. Tell somebody you won the Super Bowl four years ago, and you know what? If you lost the last three years, you're out of a job. Well, that, that's the reality of business. You gotta win every year. And so I thought, wow, coach is such a fantastic model that I, I need to write a book about this. And honestly, Tony, it took me about three or four months to realize at this point, coach and I had spent a few years together. We'd become really close. It was now a relationship I treasured. And now like a awkward teenager asking a girl to the prom, I was going to go ask him the question that I didn't know what the answer was going to be. And I thought, God, I can, I can see myself sitting there in his little den. And I finally screwed up the courage and I asked him if I could do it. And he said, no. He said, Andy, I'm working on two other books and I just don't think it's the time. And I was crushed. And thank goodness I went home and I thought about it, and you know, there's a, I got a pyramid up on my wall, and I look at it all the time. And one of the things on the pyramid, you know, is a John Wooden word, intentness, persistence. Well, yeah, he said no, but he didn't say don't ask again. And so I wrote him a letter. And I said, Coach, you know, uh, my mom died a while back. My dad died last year. And what I know hurts me to say this is that someday you won't be here. And what you taught me is too important to not teach others. And, and that's why you need to let me write this book. <laughs> and, and I mailed him the letter. And uh, the next day, the phone rings. It, it got delivered today. That's a miracle right there, right? Next day, the phone rings. And this is a typical coach. I don't know if it's an Indiana deal. Tony, you got to tell me you're a Hoosier. He didn't say hello. He just started talking. Is that a Hoosier <laughs> thing? I mean, is that what goodness gracious sakes alive? I don't I know. I think sometimes, yes. Yeah. And he went, uh, Eddie, coach. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he says, you write a fine letter. I hope you write a good book. <laughs> and, you know, thank goodness I asked again. And I think there's a, a, a real lesson in that. 
but you know there is also a real lesson in 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 how coach organized and how he planned and and and, and by the way the the focus on planning was tremendous so many people in all different walks of life uh, get so caught up in the crisis of the moment that the first thing that gets tossed out the window is the planning meeting. It's like, hey, dude, that's why you keep having problems is you're not spending any time planning, you know, but you got to believe it. You've got to commit to it. And I think that's the other thing the coach really, really got is he was committed to a way of doing things. And even if there were, you know, people who didn't see it his way, he was okay with it. And by the way, another thing that was interesting, because, you know, people don't understand this. I asked a lot of questions. Mm. Bill Walton asked a lot of questions. You know what? Coach always had an answer. He didn't mind questions. He didn't feel, uh, he didn't feel uh, defensive when you asked the question. And actually, if you didn't really have an answer, you think about it and maybe change. And I think that was another part of him that was so uh, rarely seen was, you know, this guy who from the outside may have seemed like a pretty rigid guy. And yet there were times, I mean, you know, the famous story about Sidney Wilkes. I was there when he was trying to guard artists, trying to front him, and it wasn't working. And he said, hey, coach, let me guard him from behind. And I was like, okay, Sidney. Sidney grabbed his next five shots, the greatest display I have ever seen. And by the way, Sidney Wicks, I believe, is the most underrated player in the history of college basketball. Mm. I had a front row seat and he was unbelievable. But that was really a, a function of a, a coach listening to his player in the heat of a national championship game. Mm. And, you know, I mean, I think that was a part of John Wooden that a lot of people didn't really see is uh, this idea of it's, it's not about getting my way. It's about finding the best way. And if somebody else has got a better way, let's just go do it. And, and I think that, you know, that was something that I really feel like I adopted from Coach was, uh, you know, listening to other people. And, in fact, I'll tell you a showbiz story. I was uh, meeting with the executive producer of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, and we were doing a pilot for a new show. And it was a mess, Tony. It was a mess. And mm -hmm. I had given her some notes. And uh, I had my two other executive development people in the room with me. And, and, and so this woman said, well, you know, what do you guys think? And, and they said, well, we agree with Andy. And this woman said to them, well, that's what you get paid to do. And it was one of the great moments in my career, Tony. They laughed at her because they said what was true, which is Andy knows what he thinks. We get paid to disagree with him because we don't do it unless we really do. And then he listens. Mm -hmm. And I was so proud of them because that was true. I didn't need them to tell me you're right, Andy. Mm -hmm. I needed them to tell me when I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, coach really relied on some tough assistants like Jerry Norman and, and Benny Crum and, and even Gary Cunningham was soft spoken, but you know, guys who would jump in and say, you know, how about a diamond and one on Elvin Hayes? That might work. It can be something separate from the title of your book, but if you have one or two favorite John Wooden quotes, what would they be? Oh, Tony, come on. Just one favorite or two. Quotes. Coach nope. has got a thousand nope. of them. Nope. Just one or two because I'm asking this to everybody, so I'm hoping for a variety of answers. I, I, I think at the end of the day, it isn't the quote 
it's his definition of success, which is peace of mind, which is a direct result of knowing you've made the effort to become the best you're capable of being. But that is success. Because I think that embodies everything about coach, this idea of life being a pursuit of a goal that's unreachable. And I think that's one of the things that is hardest for people to really integrate. You know, we, we want to be told, hey, Tony, here's the deal. I want you to be able to run a mile in six minutes. And you go, okay, I can do that. But no, no, Tony, I want you to run a mile in four, four minutes and 20 seconds. Well, oh, Andy, I'll never do that. Yeah, you'll get closer every year. And, and, and that idea of pushing yourself towards a goal, knowing you can't get there, knowing that it's probably unattainable, even the idea of giving 100%. Coach always used to, coach used to hate that idea of what was it, George Allen, 110%. Coach hated that. He said, hey, the goal is 100% and you can't get there. Why would anybody talk about 110%? That's crazy. He was honest. He was a realist. And he pushed you to be your best. And, uh, you know, it, it, this, it reminds me of a line in a movie, Tony, from probably before your time, your young guy with Jack Nicholson where he said to Helen Hunt, uh, you make me want to be a better man. I think that's what John Wooden did for every player who ever played for him. He made us want to be better men. Mm. And what better legacy could a coach ever have? Yeah, I was hoping that the guests this week would give us some really great stories, and you did not disappoint. So thank you so much for your time and for all the wonderful stories. Anytime, Tony. Just really quickly, if you haven't heard yet about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms so your show actually gets heard. You can even make money from your podcast no matter the size of your audience. It really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.